Welcome to Distinct Poplar, a twice-monthly audio fiction series written and narrated by Matt Herzberg from www.distinctpoplar.com. This is Episode 10 of Series 1, A Champion. Watching Bree get picked on tugged at Chellen's heart in ways that kept her awake at night. Tossing and turning in her bed, she could not find rest. Every time she closed her eyes, she could see poor Bree being bullied, and she was doing absolutely nothing to stop it. In the locker room was where this nightmarish scene took place. Surrounded on all sides by towers upon towers of overly painted, salmon-colored gym lockers, the kind that had the slits so that teachers could see what was inside, the kind with dried globs of paint scouring the metal edges, like disgusting hardened marshmallows, which made it almost impossible to close the locker doors properly. In this place... Bree was shoved to the cold, hard concrete floor by Durga Drumlit, a girl who was impossibly tall, so much taller than even Chellen, who towered over most kids her age easily. Durga Drumlit, whose torso was like a tree trunk, one that seemed to grow out in every possible direction. Durga Drumlit who gave out a short half-laugh from her head of many extended and tightly coiled hair braids that stuck out on all sides like crooked wooden knots. Durga Drumlick, who shoved Bree back to the floor with a large hand of splayed fingers, attempting to trap her under heavy branch-like arms. Then a whole chorus of other girls appeared and stared down at her through Durga's sturdy and planted frame and sung, Stay down, in a melodic, unified voice. Stay down, they sang over and over again. Stay down, chiming like a doorbell, telling her what to do, and with an ordered cadence, as if Bree were a misbehaving dog. Stay down, sung out the chorus of girls each and every time this happened in the nightmare. The words echoed in Chellen's mind as she could see Bree trying to get back up again, silent, in tears, and utterly pitiful. Stay down, they sang out again with the same droning doorbell-like tone. Bree was perpetually shoved back into place. The whole warped vision of Bree's struggles haunted Chellen's dreams for nights on end, and she could not sleep because of the awful nightmares it invoked. She felt like she had to do something, lest the nightmares continue forever. But what would that be exactly? Chellen didn't know. She could tell a teacher, 
but she knew that teachers would do nothing. Well, nothing productive, at least. In actuality, each teacher, within a breath of relation to Bree, would jump into action and only make things worse for her. Teachers would be needlessly fussy in the way that they overanalyzed the situation, missing the important details, especially the ones that were right in front of their faces. A girl was being bullied. It was as simple as that. But they'd want to hear it from all sides and see it from every angle. They'd ask everyone and examine everything into oblivion when it was all right in front of them. Bree was one person, whereas the girls who were picking on her were many. It would be their word against Bree's, and that would be the end of it. Some kids would get scolded. Some of the offending girls might even find minor detention slips, but not likely. In reality, it would all be over in yesterday's news before it had a chance to get started. That would be the moment when those same bullying kids would come back out of the shadows to resume what they had started. And the next time, it would be much, much worse for Bree, because someone had snitched. No, teachers were unreliable, inconsistent, and basically worthless. When it came to things like this, putting more attention on the problem with a giant magnifying glass only succeeded in melting the ants. Then Chelin thought, maybe she could advocate for the younger girl. Maybe, as a Rom, she couldn't do anything for Bree, but maybe she could find someone who could. The problem was that Chelin didn't really know many people, so whom would she go to for help? She basically only had one super-secret real friend in the whole world, and knowing him was already against the rules she was trying so hard to avoid breaking. His name was Blixit J. Block, a dark brown-skinned boy with a mess of tangled black hair that fell unceremoniously into his face, which hid a clever set of wandering hazel eyes. She knew it would be out of bounds for her to ask him to do it. Courage with the opposite sex wasn't exactly something that Blix had in large supply. Also, what would that realistically look like? Blix confronting a bunch of girls he didn't know, telling them to leave her alone. Or else? Chellen then thought back to the moment when she and Blix had become friends about a year ago. The boy was so nervous and out of sorts around girls he could barely introduce himself. No, Blixit J. Block was a bad choice for this. It wasn't like she could just approach a random stranger and ask them to intervene on Bree's behalf, especially when most everyone didn't like Bree to begin with. From the mounting rumors that circled the school about her being a child genius, to the fact that she was insufferably young and immature for most high school kids to even deal with. Also, 
there were Bree's strange personality quirks that she exhibited when interacting with others. No, people just didn't feel comfortable around Breglin Van Neef, so no stranger would stand up for her. Come to think of it, Chellen began to realize that she and she alone would have to do something to help Bree. That or the girl would continue to be picked on, continue to be bullied, continue to suffer. She and she alone was the only one who could do anything, because anybody else would either screw it up, or for the fact that nobody else cared. Nobody that was but Chellen. Now that was quite a big problem. Chellen was a ROM, and ROMs were supposed to stay out of the business of typicals. That's what they called them. The non-ROMs at school, on the street, in everyday life, in the whole city of distinct poplar. They called them typicals. And Chellen secretly hated that word very much. But then again, Chellen wasn't very good at being a ROM. Chellen's moment of truth came soon enough the following week at school, when Bree was putting up another sign, this one in the Drugolt wing of the school, on the upper level past the shrinking lockers, where it was meant right for a wall right outside their shared World Machines of Wonderment class. It was a large, single-sided massacre of bright colors, puffy lettering, and obscene amounts of glitter. She didn't know if the younger girl realized it would only be a matter of time before the teachers found it, took it down, and relocated to the space on the wall in the lunchroom, where Chellen had first come across the original. Protection needed, the sign read, just like the last one, for an unconventional request. A couple of kids, however, beat the esteemed faculty of Kagger High to the task. Some of those girls from the locker room, the very worst ones. They had noticed Bree and her signs and had decided this was their opportunity to get their cruelties in early, before gym class. Chellen knew them well enough. Well, actually knew of them was more accurate. Chellen didn't really know anyone per se. But these girls were notorious in their reputation for their harm and mayhem throughout the school, and Chellen had seen their handiwork many times when it came to Bree. Durga Drumlick was their leader, the girl who was impossibly tall, a veritable giantess amongst the regular student population. Durga Drumlick, the girl who was built like a tree trunk with arms like thick branches and wide hands with thick knotted fingers. Durga Drumlicht, the girl who had haunted Chellen's very dreams, transforming them into nightmares, where she suffocated poor Bree under repeated attempts to keep her planted to the ground. Chellen could all but feel those massive hands and fingers around her own neck now, phantomly squeezing the life out of her. Just as soon as Bree had carefully placed the new sign into its carefully selected spot, taping it into position with long strands of thick transparent packing tape, 
Those three locker room girls then quickly ran up and tore it down right in front of her. What you need protection for, chided Durga with a deep voice. Chelan knew that these particular girls had bad blood with the Roms because the Roms were the only kids who dared to stand up to them. Chelan shook her head. This was not going to go well for Bree. I'm looking for a very specific kind of person, a champion, answered Bree, as if she didn't understand that the locker room girls were being malicious. Their questions were meaningless, and the opportunity was bait. Yet still Bree rattled her response off quickly none the wiser, and oblivious to their true motives. All the while she was blinking her eyes uncontrollably, and resisting the urge to reach up and touch the ears of her naysayers. Shellen could see her fidget in place, almost as if the act of resisting the urges of her strange behavior was all that she could take. It was almost as if she was shaking in place. The locker room girls pushed their nefarious plan forward, the three of them leering at the smaller Bree with wide, over-serious eyes and grins so sharp it was like they had knives for teeth. A champion? A champion? A champion to pee on. Then they all laughed through their noses like maniacal idiots, joyously overimpressed with the irony of their own juvenile sense of humor. Each of the girls repeated the phrase back to Bree, embellishing it comically as they encircled the fidgeting girl like ravenous sharks, overcome with a taste of blood in the seawater as they swam deep within it. Chellen watched as Durga's henchwomen quickly spun around to Bree's rear in succession. To pee on, they shouted. To pee on, to pee on, to pee on. Still, Bree seemed more preoccupied with her own stationary nervousness than with the antics of the bullies that surrounded her. There were so many things the girl wanted to do and say, but for some reason, she kept herself uncomfortably contained. If any of you exuberant ladies would be interested in aiding me, she stated as they passed her again. Round and round they went, but Bree practically stumbled over her own words, overshouted by the bullies, and Chellen was embarrassed for the girl. It was as if being picked on was so much a part of Bree's everyday life that she couldn't see it for what it really was, even when it was right in front of her, surrounding her, taunting her. Finally, one of Durga's minions acted by snatching Bree's thrift store backpack from off of her shoulder. It wasn't difficult. She simply waited for the right moment when Bree was distracted. The two girls made circles around her, and when Bree focused on one, the other grabbed her backpack, practically ripping it free. 
It was a tiny, faded pink, single-pocket backpack with long, cute, and fuzzy animal ears that exploded out of the top and fell down all the way to the ground. When Bree wore it, the animal ears dangled behind her on the floor, dragging behind her like the ends of a split cape. Now one of Durga's cronies had the backpack and tossed it to her mistress, who held it over Bree's head, menacingly shaking it in place, the tips of the long rabbit-like ears tickling the young girl's nose and forehead as she squirmed to grab it back from the much taller girl, her arms flailing uselessly as she stood on her toes to get back that which Durga Drumlick had taken from her. To make matters worse, Chellen now noticed that the hallways were starting to grow long and wide with the sudden absence of other students. The crowds of kids were thinning out, and the rest of the students were hurrying to their classes in fear of being late. That's when she noticed Mr. Blackwheel, the disciplinarian and hallway monitor who was most feared in the entire school above any other faculty. Blackwheel skulked quickly and quietly around the lockers and behind the corners, his quick short breaths in time with the large clicking clock faces that hung over each corridor, signaling that time was running out and students would soon be tardy if they didn't get to class. And as each second passed, Blackwheel's whispered short breaths became louder and louder in anticipation. For when time would soon run out, when the students were officially late to class, that's when Blackwheel would strike. Instead of intervening on behalf of Bree as Durga Drumlick taunted the poor girl with her own belongings, Blackwheel seemed like he was just holding back for this one reason. His large black robes helped him blend backwards into the shadows, becoming one with his surroundings. The pale white skin of his face was the only cue that gave him away, shifting almost like he possessed reptilian scales, as he smirked in anticipation of the tardiness bell that was but a few short minutes away. The loud, shrill tone that, when sounded, announced a free-for-all for swift punishments by Blackwheel's leather-tooth lasher, a long and menacing whip with jagged bumps tied to a firm handle, the weapon of choice of all distinct popular disciplinarian types, and a weapon of which Blackwheel would wield with deft and dangerous accuracy should the opportunity ever arrive. Chellin knew that as soon as that bell rang, the remaining students would scatter like cockroaches, and Mr. Blackwheel would descend upon them, swinging the leather-tooth lasher over his head to build momentum, before sending it out to snap at the heels of his prey. And when he would overtake one of his victims, when the lasher wound its way around them, hindering them, restricting them, catching them and choking them. Black Wheel's yellow-toothed sneer would split his face open as he pulled them in towards him like cattle, soon to be catalogued and forced to serve detention sentence after school. 
It was obvious at that point that Durga and her lackeys would have free reign to torment poor Bree until the bell rang. And then Blackwheel, an adult and a member of the school faculty, would do nothing about it till it was time for him to strike. When his moment came, none of them would be spared. Not the locker room girls, not Bree, and certainly not Chellin. This was her fear all along, that she would be the only one to step in and help the poor girl from her own pathetic problems. So Chellin sighed deep and rolled her eyes and shook her head twice. Roms were not supposed to involve themselves in the lives of typicals. But then again, Chellin wasn't very good at being a Rom. If you've been enjoying Distinct Poplar, we would love to hear about it. Please consider rating and reviewing us on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you found our stories. Positive reviews go a long way to helping us find new listeners, and we truly appreciate it. You've been listening to Series 1, Episode 10, A Champion. Written and narrated by Matt Herzberg and copyright Wednesday, June 13th, 2018. The music for this episode is by Chris Zabriskie. For more information, check the show notes in this episode's description. For more stories like this one, as well as ebooks and more information about the city that forgot to stay clean, check us out online at www.distinctpoplar.com or through our social media. Just search for Distinct Poplar on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Stop by. Say hello.